Hey everybody, I'm Todd. I'm an alcoholic and I can also qualify as an addict really easily. Um, my sobriety date is September 25th, 1997. So uh, I just celebrated 24 years of sobriety, um, which is an absolute miracle. Uh, so, you know, what happened, what it was like and what it's like now. Um, you know, like a lot of us, I had kind of a rough childhood. Um, I grew up in a uh, in a racist, homophobic, redneck, uh, you know, bigoted household um, with a grandmother who was a super religious fanatic and a grandfather who was a horrible, horrible alcoholic and two uncles um who you know were characters unto themselves um to give you a little example of what it was like growing up uh, when i was 13 years old i walked into the house with an earring in my ear uh and my uncle didn't even say anything to me he walked right up to me and he punched me right in the face and dislocated my jaw and as I'm lying on the floor, he's standing over me screaming, we will not have any faggots in this house. And I remember thinking, boy, it would really suck if I was gay, you know? And, uh, and that's what it was like. I couldn't bring, unless my friends were white Christians, I couldn't bring them to the house. You know, I had, I had friends of all races, creeds, you know, colors, sexual orientations and I couldn't bring any of them to the house um and that's what it was like uh, I got into uh I got into booze and drugs pretty early um you know in retrospect really to escape that hell you know um by the time I was 15 I was you know into speed and uh cocaine and drinking heavily on a regular basis smoking lots and lots of weed um dropping acid you know mushrooms you know if you had it i would do it i was a trash can uh anything to you know anything to get out of me so <clears throat> you know um and that's that's the way it went you know it, I, I ended up homeless at, uh, I guess, 15 or 16 years old um, and finally joined the military uh, at 17. I got my mom to sign off so that I could join the military at 17. And, um, and I thought, okay, I get to start over. Nobody knows me. You know, I can start fresh. And so my first duty station was Fort Hood, Texas. And I got there and unbeknownst to me, my two roommates were the two biggest drug dealers on, on the base. So within six months, I was involved. Um, we were dealing uh, large amounts of marijuana and LSD and you know whatever else we could get our hands on. And we had the urinalysis testing place in our back pocket, you know, um, and we had MPs in our back pocket. 
And we were really, really arrogant about it. We would do things like get high and go take a piss test. Um, Cause we knew that we would never get caught. Um, so anyway, that went on for a little while. Things got a little out of hand. Um, there was a big uh, scandal in 1980-something uh, involving Fort Hood, Texas and, uh, and uh, drug trafficking. Guess who was involved in that? <laughs> um, so we had the Criminal Investigations Division watching us for a long period of time. And, uh, and then I got transferred to another post. And again, I thought, great. I get to start over. Nobody knows me. You know, I get to start fresh. So I went to a place called Bamberg, Germany. And uh, within six months, I was involved in the black market and was doing it all over again. You know, had the urinalysis testing sergeant in my back pocket. Uh, I used to get high with him or I would get him high. Um, so anyway, this kind of stuff went on, you know, on and on, over and over and over, geographic after geographic after geographic. But no matter where I went, I took me with me. And, uh, and I always seemed to gravitate towards that kind of life. Um, and it often seemed like it found me, you know, like I wouldn't even be looking for it. And all of a sudden I would be involved in it. Um, so anyway, uh, I went, I ended up in the 82nd Airborne Division in a place called Fort Bragg. And um, my alcoholism really kind of took off. Um, there, there is where things happened to me. Like um, I had a number of hospital stays uh, because of severe dehydration. Um, you know, uh, I'll give you one quick story just to give you an idea of what severe dehydration looks like in my world. Um, there was a flu going around the base that was killing people. It killed 18 people that year on base. And, uh, and I caught it. And I was horribly, horribly sick. I was so sick that I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat. Um, and because I couldn't sleep, you know, I was going kind of cuckoo. And um, my, my solution was I knew that if I drank some booze that I would be able to sleep. I could drink until I passed out. So I would have either I would go myself or I would have buddies go to the package store for me and I would get three bottles of, if you've ever heard of this, you know what I'm talking about, Boone's Farm. Boone's Farm is the cheapest of the cheap, cheap wines. Um, it's basically alcohol injected Kool-Aid. Uh, so I would drink three bottles of this and I would, and I would pass out. Um, so this went on for about six days. And on the sixth day, I was feeling unusually bad. And I went into the, 
to the bathroom. I was in the barracks. I was I went into the bathroom in the barracks and thought a shower would make me feel better. So I went and took a shower and I didn't feel better. And and I came out and I looked over in, into the mirror and what I saw looking back at me was a corpse. And my eyes rolled back in my head and I passed out on the floor. Um, it was a three day weekend. So there was no one in the barracks except a buddy of mine came home from a date and stopped into the bathroom to check his hair and found me collapsed on the floor. They rushed me to the hospital. I was in intensive care for three days. <clears throat> uh, it, took, it took 11 and a half liters of IV ringers lactate to get me to the point that I could drink water again. Um, the doctors told me that my body was completely shutting down and had my buddy not walked into uh, Risa. <laughs> I just saw Risa. Uh, had, had my buddy not walked in, they would have found my corpse on Monday morning. Um, so that's what it looked like for me. And that's one of the miracles that happened for me. Those kinds of miracles happen for me over and over and over. And if you don't believe in miracles, that's okay. I believe in miracles because of experience. Um, you know, I have experienced those miracles over and over and over. Um, so anyway, I got out of there, moved to Los Angeles to become a rock star. And uh, of course, within six months was deep, deep in, you know, the uh, underbelly of Los Angeles. Um, Los Angeles is where I hit my bottom. Um, I got into uh, speed. I got into cooking speed. I got into anything you can think of. Um, uh, I got arrested. Um, we were under surveillance uh, from the DEA for three months uh, because little, little beknownst to us, uh, we were considered top five drug dealers in North Hollywood. Um, and we had no idea. We, to us, we were just selling to our friends. Um, but the DEA saw it differently. And in retrospect, I looked back on it later and realized that we were probably pushing an ounce to an ounce and a half a day. Um, so that adds up really quickly. Um, spent four days in jail, got out and thought, you know, I'm gonna clean my life up. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, Continued on for a little while longer. Basically, what ended up happening is uh, I lost my home. Uh, I lost my car. I lost everything that I had. And I was homeless uh, walking the streets of Hollywood, uh, sleeping on a park bench in a little place called Plummer Park. I weighed 135 pounds. I'm five foot 10. Um, and for those of you who don't have a point of reference that's really really skinny um and i called a buddy of mine and i said look 
you know, I'm, I'm really kind of down and out right now. Can I, can I sleep on your floor? And he was like, yeah, man, but you know, you got to go to these meetings with me. And I was like, whatever, you know, I don't care whatever it takes as long as I'm not, you know, freezing. And, um, so he took me to my first meeting with Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, it was a meeting called Late Night. And it was rowdy and there were rock stars and hookers and, you know, just everybody that I loved was there and they made it cool to be sober. Um, but I didn't think I had a problem. I didn't think I had a problem with booze. I had a problem with speed. You know, speed was my problem. Um, so I went to these meetings with him for a little bit. And um, about two weeks later, I went to a bar and I was sitting down with a buddy of mine and I ordered a beer and I drank a beer. And then I ordered another beer and I drank another beer. And then I left and I said, see, I'm not an alcoholic. I can stop whenever I want. And I went home that night and I woke up the next morning craving so bad, I thought I was gonna lose my mind. Uh, craving speed so bad, I thought I was gonna lose my mind. And that phrase, the phenomenon of craving came into my head and I went, holy shit, I'm an alcoholic that was the turning point for me um i jumped into the into alcoholics anonymous with both feet and uh got a sponsor and started doing service and you know and all the stuff that we do and and things got good really fast and um and it worked you know it worked uh I was, you know, I was a hopeless case, but Alcoholics Anonymous worked for me. Um, I met uh, a woman. Um, we, you know, quickly fell in love and uh, started living together. And, you know, which is not recommended in your first year of sobriety. It's a bad idea. I know it's a bad idea. It was a bad idea then, but we did it anyway but we did it with the understanding that our individual sobriety came first before each other that was the only way that it worked um and i was with her for 17 years and uh because of that relationship we have a beautiful adopted daughter uh who's the light of my life <clears throat> so I don't regret it. We're not together anymore, obviously, but I don't regret that, that relationship. Um, everything was wonderful for a long, long time. Um, we were the AA couple, you know, we were always going to, to, you know, conventions and we were asked to speak all over the place and, you know, it was just, everything was wonderful. Um, and then I got sick. I started getting sick and nobody could figure out why. Um, and, 
and I kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker and uh, reached a point. I never reached a point that I thought I was going to get high or drink, but I did reach the point that I thought I can't live this way anymore. And, um, and another miracle came into my life and that miracle was surfing. Um, I started surfing and it was a, it was a therapy for me, physical and mental. Um, so I quickly got really deep into surfing and I started a company. I started a company that was the first of its kind in the world and um, quickly became uh, well known uh, in the surfing community. And, um, and the business became my life. Uh, the business became my higher power. And I'll, I'll touch on higher power a little bit. Um, business became my higher power. I stopped going to meetings. I stopped working with sponsees. I stopped working with a sponsor. I stopped doing all the stuff that we do that keeps us sober and sane. Sane is the big, is the big thing here. Um, and I did that for 10 years and only through a power greater than myself, uh, was I able to not get loaded? I did everything else wrong, but I didn't get loaded. And what ended up happening was because I lost my sanity, I lost the house, I lost the wife, I lost the business, I lost everything except for my car. And once again, I was homeless at 15 years sober. So I did what I knew to do. And I got back into the program and my life changed again. Um, after the business folded, I decided to retire and move to Las Vegas, got to Las Vegas and decided retirement was way too boring and uh, started back with my original love of music. And, uh, you know, today I have this amazing little studio uh, that I record people in. Um, all of this is because of Alcoholics Anonymous. All of it. I couldn't have done it without Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, the principles of the program uh, saved me over and over and over and over again. Um, so now I'm going to talk about that, that terrible word, the G word. <laughs> um, I do not have a traditional God. Uh, I say God because it's easy to say. That's it. That's where my connection to the G word stops. Uh, I actually found my higher power through physics. Um, I believe in the power of positive and negative energy. The entire universe is nothing but energy. And I believe in the power of, the, of, of positive and negative energy. Through This is the way things work for me. Through the program, doing what's in the program, I get to tap into the positive flow of the energy in the universe. 
And because of that, good things happen. When I stop doing those things, then I end up tapping into the negative flow of the universe, which is chaos and bad things happen. Um, I'm not saying that bad things don't happen even when I'm working the program, of course they do. Um, but in general, far fewer bad things happen when I'm working a program. Um, and this is how it works for me. You know, we, you've, yeah, I'm sure you've heard this, but you know, it says in the big book, this is the spiritual life is not a theory. It's these are facts of my experience. These are facts of my experience. I don't believe that you need to believe in the white bearded white dude, you know, sitting on a throne in the sky somewhere. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that that's not me. Um, I grew up with a super religious grandmother. And as soon as I heard the God word, when I came into the rooms, I went, oh no, I'm not doing this, you know? But I was told that my higher power could be whatever I wanted it to be. And that was enough for me. Initially, my higher power was the group, group of drunks, G-O-D. Um, but I learned that in order for me to stay sober and be sane and healthy and happy, my idea of my higher power had to grow. It had to get bigger. And the better things got, the bigger my higher power had to be. <clears throat> and so today my higher power is the universe. I mean, honestly. That's the way it works for me. Like I said, I say God because it's easy to say. But that's, that's where it stops. Um, today, my life is completely different. Today, I'm living my dreams. And I've had to learn to dream bigger. I've had to learn whatever you think your dreams are, especially if you're in early sobriety, whatever your dreams are, I'm telling you right now, you're going to have to learn to dream bigger. Because if you stay in the program and if you work the program, your dreams can come true. And you're going to have to learn to dream bigger. I've had to learn to dream bigger. You know, I always wanted to make a living making music. I'm doing that today. You know, I always wanted to have my own studio. I have that today. You know, all the, the external stuff, I've got it all. But here's the biggest thing. I have serenity today. And to me, serenity means being okay exactly where I am right now. It's not overjoyously happy. It's not like, you know head in the clouds it's just being okay where i am right now and i will protect that state of mind with everything that i have that's my comfort zone today 
And I know that in order to get there, I have to work a program. I have to do these simple little things that are outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. These simple little things, you know, it's not, it's not difficult. It's, it's not easy, but it's not difficult. It's not easy in the fact that you have to really look at yourself, but it's not, it's not difficult. It's not hard, you know? And I always say, you know, this is the only place where every answer to every problem that I have today can be found in 184 pages of a book. And I've made that deal with all my sponsees. If you ever come to me with a problem that I can't find the answer to in those 184 pages, you're welcome to go get loaded. And I can tell you that I have not had one single instance in 24 years of somebody coming to me with a problem that I could not find the answer to in the big book. It's just the facts of my experience, you know? So, you know, to those of you who are new, dive in. What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Your misery? Dive in and you can have everything that you've ever wanted in your life. And you're going to have to learn to dream bigger because everything you've ever wanted can be yours. So I think I've talked long enough. Um, so thank you so much for having me here. I hope that I've said anything that anybody could relate to. Um, but that's just my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so um, thank you all for having me. Thanks, Marsha, for asking me. It's always an honor and a privilege and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you.